The AMA Moving Medicine podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Jack Resnick, Jr., the AMA's president-elect and a professor and vice chair of dermatology at the UC San Francisco School of Medicine in San Francisco. And we'll be discussing how telehealth is the key to the future of patient care and the related advocacy and payment issues tied to its long-term use. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Resnick, thank you so much for joining us today. You've been a longtime telehealth advocate, and you referred to this past year as a shining success in terms of how quickly telemedicine uh, adapted during the pandemic. Let's start by talking a little bit about how telehealth has been a game changer for medicine. Well, Todd, thanks for having me and, and thanks for covering this really important topic. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we really saw COVID just upend access for patients across the country as physician offices had to close or, or limit access for a little while. And so the AMA really jumped in to work with the federal government, primarily to get Medicare initially to start broadly covering telehealth visits. And a lot of private insurers quickly followed suit and the use of telemedicine really, really took off. And we saw a lot of our patients actually like it. It helped them maintain access during the pandemic. It helped with social distancing. So for some things they could stay home to see their doctor. Um, and it helped with, with unexpected things like transportation time to get to physician offices or missing less work or having less issues with childcare. And it actually particularly helped in some areas where we saw underserved communities and rural areas and inner city areas where they had uh, had longstanding issues with a lack of medical services in their areas that had contributed to health inequities really improve access for those populations. It's kind of like, uh, you know, work from home, things I thought I wouldn't like, but it turns out telehealth uh, is just a, in a really important uh, and convenient way to correspond with a physician. You know, you're running a dermatology practice. How has that been for you uh, personally? You know, uh, how did it work for your patients and, and for you? Well, it's, telemedicine is not brand new. Uh, a lot of specialties have been using it for years, even before the pandemic. As you mentioned, I'm a dermatologist. So my specialty was one that had been out front and had been doing this uh, for a while. I've gotten to share some of those stories before Congress and other policymakers about how important it's been for my patients. And I, I particularly often think of some who live further away. I, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. A lot of my patients are from close by, but I also take care of a number of people from rural areas who drive three, four, five hours to come in and see wow. us. And some of those folks have bad chronic disease problems in, in dermatology like psoriasis or lupus or others. And in some of those cases, an initial visit had been really important for those patients to maybe do a biopsy, make sure we had their diagnosis right, get them started on some medications, talk through all the pros and cons of different approaches. But I felt pretty bad that some of those patients had to do repeated, long, several hour road trips just to come back and see me to get their progress checked on or make small modifications to their medications. And some of those folks worry they'd get fired for missing work. Sometimes they'd have to pile all their kids in the car if they had childcare issues. And I, I basically knew I could manage a lot of those issues by telemedicine. But before the pandemic, neither Medicare nor a lot of private insurance companies would cover those visits remotely. You know, a few of those patients who had commercial insurance would 
get a postcard saying that they could use some corporate internet-based telehealth provider, but when they tried to use them for a follow-up for some complicated disease, they'd often get connected to a clinician from a totally different specialty who didn't know their medical history or have access to their records or sometimes hadn't even heard of their diseases. So they didn't find that very helpful. With the pandemic, that all changed for us because we were able, as physicians across the country were, to actually do follow-up uh, and continue to take care of patients who we knew and, and knew us and we could use telehealth uh, with their existing healthcare teams. We're going to dig in a little bit uh, more into the, the, the payment-related issues. Before we get started with that, I'm, I'm curious, you know, uh, what do you see as kind of you know, the, the go forward from here, hopefully in a post-pandemic period in terms of the balance uh, between in-person uh, and virtual uh, services post-pandemic? It's a tough question, and I don't have a perfect crystal ball for this, but I think, you know, over the last year and a half, once we saw this rapid expansion in coverage and patients started to use it more, Physicians in every specialty and their patients really got to know, okay, in my specialty, this is the this this is the group of things that telehealth works really well for. And maybe these are some other things where an in-person visit makes a lot more sense. So in my specialty in dermatology, for example, if I've got a patient who's had melanoma or another skin cancer in the past and they need to come in for a full body check to see if they have any new skin cancers, that, that really needs to be an in-person visit. That's that's pretty hard to do as they're moving their phone around. Uh, and trying to show everything on video, or if they have some complicated new rash that's likely going to need a biopsy, you know, that's going to need to be in person. So I think that optimal, optimal mix is going to vary a lot by specialty and really by condition. What I hope we see, if this goes really well, is that we see telehealth deployed where it's most needed. And so, as I said, that varies by condition and specialty, but it it most importantly in some ways varies by where do we have the most access problems that we need to dig in on and do better. So chronic disease is a big one. Patients with hypertension, prediabetes, substance use disorder, mental health issues. Those are some of the places where real improvements in access can make a difference, as opposed to maybe some of the convenience care where telehealth early on got used uh, for patients, again, to go back to one of those corporate providers on the web that maybe made it a little easier for them to get antibiotics they didn't need when they had the sniffles at a regular cold or something. But those chronic disease areas are, are probably the most important. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. Now, when we got, uh, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, like so many other things, the technology part is just one part of the issue. This is a whole system of things that had to come together uh, to make that work. And payment uh, for telehealth services, you know, was a big potential roadblock then. You know, where do we stand currently uh, on payment for telehealth services? And, you know, this concept of fair coverage, why is that so important? 
You make a good point. And the reason that we saw telehealth just take off early in the pandemic was really because the payment issue at least temporarily got fixed. That what was standing in the way wasn't licensure, it wasn't technology, it was payment. And at the AMA, we believe very strongly that telemedicine services need to be covered. And so we've supported parity laws in states around the country that require that coverage to be comparable to in-person services. We've got over 30 states now that have parity laws like that in place. And we think the coverage really needs to, as I alluded to in one of your previous questions, shouldn't just be with select online providers. The patients really need to have access to their existing healthcare teams for telemedicine or to get new consults from a new uh, physician in a health system that already knows them and in practices that, that work together. That payment has to be fair the payment has to be reasonable. We are pushing for payment at the same rate for services that are comparable to something done uh, in the office. You know, for a physician in practice, whether you're in a small office or a mid-sized group or a larger practice, all of a sudden implementing telehealth as sort of a coordinated part of what you're offering your patients doesn't mean you can all of a sudden stop paying rent on your building, or doesn't mean you can stop having your staff of nurses and front desk staff. So we think that payment needs to be fair and reasonable and, and uh, with parity. And in some cases, I mean, just through my own personal experience and talking to other physicians, that you know, that's a lot of additive work uh, to be systematic about the approach to it. Um, and there's no less time that I'm spending with my physician in those no, discussions. No, a, a lot of us have discovered that it actually takes longer in some cases to do a telehealth visit uh, than an in-person visit. And particularly as our patients have learned to use the technology better, as we've learned to use the technology better. But, but I think that's right. Now, speaking of technology, uh, not everybody has access to, of course, high-speed connections and coverage for audio-only visits um, was a, you know, an important thing here. What, what's your view on that? Yeah, I was actually surprised by how many of my patients, you know, I live, as I said, in Northern California, a real technology hub, and yet I found I had plenty of patients who actually struggled with this. So you mentioned audio only, that really just means using the telephone uh, to have a visit with your physician, and obviously telephones are not new, and they're not typically our first choice for having uh, an encounter between a physician and a patient. But they're an important part of being able to deliver telehealth, especially to those patients who live in rural areas, marginalized patients who may not have the newest smartphone technology, um, a surprising number of patients live in areas with limited broadband access. So, it, access. so it's really important for health equity that, again, even though it's not typically the first choice, that we have this backup option. Um, I know a lot of clinicians in my practice have been taking care of patients who literally uh, may be... Um, farm workers who call in from a field for their health services. So that audio only component is really important. Absolutely. Um, retaining telehealth services for Medicare beneficiaries has been a you know, point of contention, uh, but one that the AMA obviously uh, strongly believes should continue. You know, what, let's talk, what's the issue here? And why might this put seniors in jeopardy of losing access uh, to services they received throughout the pandemic? Well, we have some pretty old Medicare rules on the books and they date from 1997. And that doesn't sound like that long ago, but from a healthcare technology standpoint, 1997 is, is actually a while back. That, and, that's and the year I was uh, started to work at AOL. So I'm gonna tell you there, that okay, was a long there, time yeah, ago. That pretty, that pretty well illustrates it. So um, it, at the end of the pandemic, 
or, or the federally declared public health emergency from the pandemic, those 1997 rules from when you were at AOL are automatically going to snap back into place. Um, and, and essentially what that means for Medicare patients is that unless they live in a rural area, their telehealth coverage will just end. Um, it also means that even for those Medicare patients who can use telehealth because they live in a rural area, that they won't be able to use their own phones or the computers in their own homes anymore, that they actually have to go to a presenting site. So there are these very outdated Medicare rules that, that uh, would snap back into place. Well, obviously, the AMA is paying close attention to this and acting. Can you talk uh, about how the AMA is confronting the challenges here? So Congress has to act to prevent this from happening and to maintain this coverage so that it doesn't get pulled away from our Medicare patients. Or else we go back to, to that world I described, where only a very small select number can, can use those telehealth services and have it covered under Medicare. So we have supported permanently fixing those what are called originating site and geographic restrictions on telehealth coverage for Medicare patients. There are a couple of bills out there that we've actively supported. One's called the Telehealth Modernization Act of 2021. The other one's called the Connect for Health Act. And we're also, this is not just about Medicare because the same threat exists in the private insurance marketplace. So we're working to ensure that commercial insurers also don't retreat to, to no longer covering telehealth. Now, Dr. Resnick, you've been very vocal on this issue. You've testified uh, in front of Congress on this. You know what? What should and can other physicians do to help this effort? It's so, so important to you know, continue this uh, right now. Well, I mentioned that Congress plays an important role here. So I think the first thing that, that all of us as physicians can do is to email or call our members of Congress or our senators to let them know how vital this coverage expansion has been for our patients. Really share your stories, share your patient stories. Um, if you feel comfortable doing so, even encouraging your patients who've benefited from telehealth to let their members of Congress know how important that's been. And if you happen not to have time to, to write those emails or make those phone calls, I would ask that at least just join the AMA, join your state and especially medical societies. Showing leadership through that membership helps to support these efforts to help us all support our physicians and our patients. It is so important to speak with a unified voice. It's such an you know, an opportunity that arose from the pandemic. We can't take it for granted that that will continue. So thank you, Dr. Resnick, for being here today and sharing uh, this really important perspective. We'll be back soon with another Moving Medicine video and podcast. Uh, be sure to click subscribe on AMA's YouTube channel, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find all of our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us. This has been Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.